morning. Are you enjoying yourselves this morning? Bro, that might change, but let's see how this goes. Um, there's no quiz this, this week. Sorry, so I've got no chocolate for you. But I want, you, I want us to do some time traveling, if that's okay. Who's up for a bit of time traveling? Everybody's looking at me puzzled. It's impossible, Sean. Shut up. Go sit down. Um, who was around? Okay, let's go over this way. Who wasn't around in 1987? 1987. It was, a, it was a decade, a few, 50 decades, well, not 50 decades ago. So, okay, there were not, there's not as many of you as I thought. Well, in 1987, I was 15 years of age, and I had met the woman of my dreams. And the thing to do when you're from Stoke-on-Trent is to go to Alton Towers. Who's ever been to Alton Towers? Who loves roller coasters? They terrify me. Absolutely terrify me. And in 1987, the corkscrew was the one to go on. Okay. So I am there with my now wife, Catherine, and um, we queue up for about an hour and 15 minutes. We get there, we sit there, and I am petrified. Absolutely petrified. And just before the bars come over my shoulders, I'm sitting there next, next to my now wife, and I'm like, and I leg it. And she went on her own, and, and, and I'm not ashamed of it either. I am petrified of roller coasters. She still married me, so everything's okay. The reason I am petrified of roller coasters is when I was about seven, I went to Butlings in Pafali. And I went on this roller coaster with my sister, who was, who was five years older than me, so she was about 12. And as we went down this steep uh, descent, I started to lift out of my seat. And the only thing that kept me in was my sister holding me in. So there's a reason for my fear. There's a reason why I'm petrified of roller coasters. I will just add, I have now been on it. And yes, I was still scared, but I stayed on it with you, didn't I, the second time? You can't remember, can you? See, it's burnt into my mind. And I've been on lots of other roller coasters since, but I've, I've hit a stage in my life where I feel I have nothing to prove. So don't ever try and get me on any roller coaster ever again, because I'm not going to do it. People are scared of all kinds of different things. Who's scared of snakes? Only a few people. Spiders. Who's scared of spiders? Here's a weird one, and I know there's somebody who's scared of buttons. Some people are scared of holes. Who's scared of holes? <laughs> who, who likes needles? Oh, no. You like needles? Okay. A recent one that I've become scared of, and I only discovered this last night, is lids on jars. Lids on jars. We, had, we, we were having our dinner last night and we were going to have some beetroot with it. We could not get the lid off the jar. I'm now scared of lids on jars. You were asked the question of what you are scared of. What was the scariest thing that you've ever done? Give me some answers. Uh, 
been on a roller coaster. Yeah. Daniel, what's the scariest thing you've ever done? You've cut yourself. Oh, yeah, that's scary. Anything else? Oh, Steve, well done. <laughs> well, I, the scariest thing I've ever done is I've gone on a kayak on the sea. Okay, and I, I kayaked about half a mile, three quarters of a mile down the coast. I am petrified of open water. Again, goes back to a childhood memory of when I got stuck underneath a raft for about 45 seconds to a minute whilst I was in scouts. So I'm petrified of open water. But that's the scariest thing I've ever done. Now, there's a story in the Bible. It's in Matthew, uh, which is the first book of the New Testament in the Bible. And it talks about a guy called Peter. And this Peter is in a boat. And something happens in this story that we're going to just talk about. But he did something which, in my opinion, is incredibly stupid. It comes around the time just towards the end of the ministry life of Jesus. Uh, and he's just fed over 5,000 people. Um, and what he says to his disciples is, right, you guys, go get in the boat and go over to the other side. And I'm going to uh, go up on a mountain and pray on my own. So he's there on his own. And then we start to unpack this story about Peter, the other disciples, and Jesus. And it says this in Matthew 14, 22 to 33. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind that was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. It was about 4 a.m. when Jesus got to the disciples. And they were in there. They were quite scared already. But then suddenly they see this guy walking across the water. Now, if the guys who were being baptized this morning had stepped down into the tank and started to walk on the water, that would have made things very interesting for the baptismal service. Uh, and I'm glad I wasn't in the tank to have seen that if it had happened. But the reality of it is, is it's not natural for anybody to walk on water, is it? Has anybody ever walked on water? No, no, nor me. Um, but Peter's reaction in verse 28, was a pretty strange one, really. Who else would have said to Jesus, Jesus, if it's you, 
called to me. Would anybody else have said that? I'd have been more like, hey, James, who was one of the other disciples, throw, throw him in to see if he could float. Start with that one. But that is not a normal reaction. Hey, Jesus, you're doing something that isn't possible, so I'm going to have a go. It's my turn. But before we get into all of that, let's talk about the boat. What did this boat represent? It represented safety. It represented a bit of um, a place that was a safe haven. It represented a place where you were kind of cocooned away from any dangers. So, as a clever person, I'd have been staying in the boat. But Peter said, Lord, tell me to come to you on the water. So many times in our lives, we find safety in places. We find comfort in our jobs. We find comfort in our relationships. We find comfort in various situations. Some of us even find comfort in the problems that we face. And we find a sense of identity in the things that we are facing. It's a comfortable place to be, the boat was. It was safe. Why bother doing something different? Why bother doing something new? About 11 years ago, Kath and I were asked to do something new. We were asked to step out of the boat. We were asked to leave what we were doing back in Stoke-on-Trent and come here to witness. And it was a scary place. But we knew God had asked us to come. And as Peter said to Jesus, Jesus... If it's you, come to me. He was obedient. Now, it wasn't the water that held, Jesus, uh, that held Peter up. It was his trust. It was his faith. It was his obedience of his response to Jesus. Because he said, come. So as Peter started to walk on that water, it wasn't the water that kept him up. It was the obedience of him having faith in Jesus that kept him afloat. When Jesus says, come, we need to leave that safety of what's surrounding us and step into something which may be a little bit scary, a little bit uncertain, a little bit, I'm not sure about this. But when Jesus says, come, we need to be obedient to him. And we need to step out of that boat. Next thing we need to think about is when you step out, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be plain sailing, to use the analogy of the fact that they were in a boat. Sometimes you might feel that you've heard wrong. Did Jesus really say come? Going back 11 years ago, we left our jobs in Stoke-on-Trent and I got a job over in Manchester. And one of the first jobs I was given over there was clearing out the caretaker's um, apartment block. So I started to clear out. I removed from a one-bedroom flat 87 bin bags full of rubbish. 87 bin bags from one bedroom flat and this was the caretaker who was meant to look after the property 
And during that time, believe it or not, I'm picking up all this rubbish, loading these bin bags, walking down two flights of stairs to take it to the skip. Believe it or not, in that time, I was like, God, did you really tell me to leave the nice job that I had to pick up this stuff and put all this rubbish into this bag? Did you really say it? And he just reiterated the, yes, keep walking, keep trusting, keep believing. But sometimes it gets difficult. There's a story of the Egyptians, no, the Israelites, sorry, who were in captivity uh, in the Old Testament in Egypt. And God freed them through a series of miracles. And they were on a journey to the promised land. But during that time, They spent 40 years in what's called the wilderness, and they wandered around this place. And it got to the point where they wished they were back in Egypt. They were fed up of what they were eating. They were fed up that they hadn't got to the promised land. They were just fed up, fed up, fed up, fed up. And in Numbers 11, Israel complained about, we miss the meat. We miss the fish that we used to eat in Egypt. We miss the cucumbers. Really? And the leeks. We missed the leeks. I wouldn't have gone with leeks or cucumbers if it was me. But they start to complain. They start to miss the promise that God had for them. They start to miss the fact that God had called them out of slavery, out of Egypt, and was taking them on a journey to this promised land. They started to moan to God when things weren't going on around them as they had hoped. And so often when things go wrong, when we're on this journey, when we're walking in this water where we left the safety of what we were in, that we choose to moan rather than to seek God. In that uncertain place where God is calling you into, we need to seek God. In that uncertain place that God may be calling us into, We need to stop looking around at the wind and the waves because that was the thing that caused Peter to start to sink. He looked around in the Bible says, he looked around at the wind and the waves. Verse 30 says this, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come. Oh no, I've already done that. I'm on cry out. We've moved on from there. (laughs) There we go. Here we go. Uh, Next one, please. Um, But when he saw the wind and he was afraid and began beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. As we're walking in faith upon the obedience and the commandments of Jesus, we need to cry out when we start to get afraid, when we start to sink, when our faith begins to wane. We need to stop looking at the situation and look at the one that called us. Look at the one that told us to come. Look at the one that asked us to step out of the boat. The circumstances, the situations might look big, but the one who called you is bigger than those. James 1 verse 12 says this. Anyone who meets a testing challenge head on 
and manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate. For such persons loyally in love with God, the reward is life and more life. If you're going through a testing time, if you're going through something that you believe God has called you into, but you might not be where you believe God's calling you to yet, cry out. Go to the one that can sustain you. Go to the one that can hold you up. Go to the one that can keep you afloat. Another version of that verse says this, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord promised to those who love him. He is with you. He can sustain you. He can uphold you through this time. In your uncertainty, cry out to God. It may not make sense. It may be scary. But he can uphold you through that time. Finally, Jesus is always close enough and we need to reach out. Peter stepped out of the boat, but where was Jesus? Jesus was already on the water. Where he called Peter to, he was already there before him. Is he calling us into something? Is he calling you into something new? There may be a time of wandering. There may be a time of uncertainty. There may be a time where you don't know where you're going to put your foot next. Because there's all kinds of stuff going on around you. But Jesus is there ahead of us. He's already on the water with Peter. He's already close enough. Peter started to sink and he cried out. Matthew 14 says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Immediately. When we cry out from that uncertain place, that place of perhaps insecurity, that place where things are going on all around us, Jesus was already there ahead of him, waiting, helping him, encouraging him. And as he sank, and as Peter cried out, Jesus was within arm's reach of helping Peter back up. If we're obedient to what God is asking us to do, he's there, already with us, ahead of us, going before us, doing what he's asked us to do, and he's within arm's reach. We just need to reach out to him. We've seen four people get baptised today. They have been obedient to what Jesus asked them to do. It's not an easy thing to do that, isn't it? In front of a hundred or so people to get down there. It's, it's a pretty weird thing, really, going for a dunk in front of a hundred people in your clothes um, and being held down there, which wasn't that long, actually. Simon, I thought you might have gone for a bit longer. <laughs> um, but they were obedient. And to you guys, God is ahead of you. On your next step of your faith in him, God is there with you. Whatever you're going to do next, God is there. You've been obedient to him. 
and he's promised he will be there. But what about us? What's Jesus saying to us? Maybe for the first time, you've heard stories about how Jesus has helped people come to faith. Maybe for the first time you've heard about this Jesus who loves you, who is there for you, to protect you, to guide you, to help you, to cry out to. And maybe this morning, God is saying, step out of that boat of uncertainty into a life of faith and walking with Jesus. What about those that are already there? Ten years ago, God asked, 11 years ago, God asked Kath and me to step out of the boat of safety, of job security, um, children in school. Um, and he said, trust him. So we trusted him. And we followed him. There were days when we were in a meeting once and we were just hearing encouragement after encouragement and after, after encouragement. And I texted Kath, I said, are we doing the right thing? And she said, yes, shut up, don't be silly. Sometimes it may get dark. Sometimes it may get scary. But I can truthfully say 11 years on, God did everything and more than what we could ever imagined. And our lives are so much richer because he has taken us on a journey of faith which only he could sustain us in. Fear can hold us back. We could be scared and uncertain of what the next steps are. But Jesus is there already with us. I love this Old Testament passage from Isaiah 59.1. It says this, Surely... The arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. Jesus is there, willing, able, close enough to save you. No matter where you are today or where you'll be tomorrow, he his arm is not too short and his ear is not too dull to hear. He is listening. He is waiting. He is wanting for you to cry out to him. But when he asks to come, we need to go. We need to step out. Sometimes we have to leave that place of safety Sometimes we have to say, God, I'm scared, but I will be obedient. Sometimes we have to cry out to him when we feel alone, when we feel that the circumstances around us are too big for you to be able to walk around. And we have to say, Lord, reach out and grab him by the hand so that he lifts us back up and we can continue walking with him. Just want to ask the band to come back if you're able to. The reality of it this morning is this. 
we all face things in our lives that are too scary. We all face things in our lives where we say, did I hear right? We all face things in our lives where we go, God, I'm sinking. But you can be certain of one thing. As God calls, he also equips and he walks with you every step of the way. And his arm is not too short to reach you where you are. And his ear is always attentive to the cries of his children. Let's not be afraid, church, of what God is calling us to. Whether that's a new relationship with him or something different, he's asking you to step out and trust and believe.